Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. Hey, you guys. Uh, so there's no new All-Star Celebrity Bowling today. Season one ended last week. Uh, we wrapped it up 10 episodes uh, with the Breaking Bad team. Uh, we will be back in a few months, so it is coming back because I get to make those decisions, uh, and it's fun. I just like it. I like it a lot. Uh, so but so in its place, um, we actually have a the Monday show on the Nerdist channel is going to be a show called The Realm of LARP, uh, which is an, a fucking awesome uh, show about about a LARP. So, uh, and we're not making fun of it like other jerks do. We are celebrating it because it's awesome, uh, and the people are really sweet uh, who are on it. So, uh, Realm of LARP starts soon on the Nurse Channel on Monday. So, in so just as a, a placeholder today to put something up on the Monday, I stuck up a video of uh, Matt and Jonah and I when we were driving from Denver to Boulder uh, to do a, a live podcast, and Matt <laughs> breaks out into song. And it's amazing. So that's over at the Nerdist channel right now, youtube.com slash Nerdist. I would like to thank GoToMyPC.com for sponsoring this episode of Nerdist Podcast. Uh, go to my PC by Citrix. If you want to be connected directly to your Mac or PC, that's great for you. But what if you're not at your computer? That is why you would use GoToMyPC. You can get it from your iPad and your iPhone, too. Literally all of your computer files are right in your hand or your phone or your feet. If you, I don't know how you operate your smartphone devices. I'm not saying you couldn't operate them with your feet, right? That Your toes would work just fine on a capacitive touchscreen, so there's no reason why you couldn't use that and get all your files. Uh, you can work on any program or file or document and save it right to your mobile device. Uh, it, just, it just gives you freedom, so you're not always... Computers basically force us to work like machines, and this just kind of opens you up and gives you access to everything you need. So go to mypc.com today. Special 45-day free trial just for Nerdist listeners. Uh, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code NERDIST, and then you download the free app on your iPad or your iPhone. That's go to mypc.com, try it free, promo code NERDIST. Uh, this episode is Ray Romano. I love Ray Romano. Uh, he's a guy that for years I've thought was able to do... Uh, really fantastic family-oriented stand-up in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, it's bubblegummy. Like, I, I love Ray Romano. And we got him on this episode uh, with the guy who has been his touring partner for years and years and years, Tom Coltabiano, who also wrote on Everybody Loves Raymond. And then, I guess about 10 or 11 years ago, they shot, the, they just recorded this tour 
sort of right at the height of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond fame, they went out and did a tour uh, across the uh, Florida and parts of the South of America. And uh, the documentary is called 95 Miles to Go, and, uh, and it's super fun. So I, I recommend it. And I recommend, but not before you listen to this. I recommend this first. So here is the thing that I'm recommending. I am very biased because it's my thing. So is it all right that I'm biased for my own thing, Katie? You're just nodding. Thank you. Everyone's going to think Katie is this weird alter ego that I made up. Yeah, it's just me and Katie hanging out tonight. Just silence. Right. Yeah, Katie, why don't you order the lamb? The sky's the limit tonight. Thank you, Katie Levine. Here's the Nerdist Podcast episode number, oh, let's say 217. With Ray Romano and Tom Coltabiano. Two nice Italian boys. Now entering Nerdist.com. So these microphones, you, you kind of have to get up on them. Yeah. No, I won't be sitting like that. I'm resting up for when we start. This looks like a weird uh, trust exercise. We're trusting yeah. each other. Where you have to share. It's a sharing well, exercise. Actually, we got into a fight and we had to go to court and they said this is and what this we was, have to do. And this was a court ordered. Yeah. For yeah. two weeks we have to live like you this. You put it on your other ear, on your inner. That's what I was telling them. Oh my God, you guys. Okay. <laughs> logic Romano. <laughs> All right, we're recording. We have started. We're on. Oh, I don't hear anything. This is it. Oh, really? Yeah. You can't hear anything? I hear Raymond. you. I hear it. Oh, oh headphones. Right? headphones. One channel, then. I think it might just be one channel in those, yeah, yeah, in those earbuds. Um, what is it? Seriously? Is this... These That's guys have started. to stand like this? Yeah, you know, it's awkward for everybody. It's, I could take that chair over there. Listen, it's by order of the courts, Tom. We, I don't know what to yeah, say. Why, I mean, I'm not... How can I challenge their authority? Scoot down. Why don't we yeah, bring why don't a chair? Yeah, why don't we... Chair. Slide down, yeah. slide down, slide down. Is that because Tom's here? It might be because Tom's here, but I don't yeah. want Tom to feel bad. But wait a minute. Tom is welcome. Or, or, I like that you've never had more than one it, guest. It could like, be, that's the theory. No, we've done it before. We've done it before. They just, they, just, they just kind of crowd around there. Sometimes and then we, well, I assumed you've done it. Sometimes yeah. we'll take off and no one notices. It's great. And then... Yeah. And then <laughs> I take a nap underneath the table. Matt will slowly, just gingerly place his butt to just kiss Nick's shoulder. Yep. Yeah. Uh, while Nick... Don't worry about it, Nick. Everything's fine. Uh, and, then, uh, and then it's awkward for everybody. Butt kiss. But it's uh, it's really nice to have you here. I'm so thank you. it is a thrill to have you on the little <laughs> podcast. Oh, um, thank you, thank you. I I remember I think the first time I ever saw you. We we talk about I always talk about the young comedian specials, and it was the one that you did with I think Kindler and Janine and Judd Apatow, yeah. and I think maybe Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy yeah. and Dana Carvey was the host. Yeah, yeah, that's was that did they split up the hosts that year, or was that did Dana just host that one? No, he. He did the whole. He hosted the whole show. Yeah, it was in San Francisco. No, no, no. It was in Arizona. Remember? Yeah, we were in Arizona. Was it and, at the Tempe Improv? Um, was it? I'm ninety percent. No, sure. I think it was in a theater of some kind, wasn't I'm it? Forty percent sure. It looked like a comic club. <laughs> I just actually you just dropped fifty percent. It. It's, it's on HBO Go. You can stream all those young comedian specials on HBO now. Yeah. And like, uh, I watch it and Dana comes out just doing pretty much every character yeah. from... Chopping broccoli. He just chopping chop broccoli, broccoli, does the yeah. church lady. Starts with Garth. Starts with Garth. 
and then works his way into Can the... I tell you why that's a good idea? Because his job as the host is to work the audience into a frenzy. Oh, yeah, they went, they went apeshit. So yeah. that... That was, was uh, like 17 years ago, maybe, I think. Bill Bellamy is a father at the school now, at the school that my kids go to, and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He doesn't look like he's aged a second. He's dressing the same, too, huh? Yeah, yeah shoulder pads. Yeah. He's yeah. like, it's, his skin is, is just like... It's just uh, it's just like pottery. It's just beautifully painted. Yes, and Judd Apatow was doing stand up then. Yeah. And yes. I, I I feel like it was not that long after that that he did not do stand up anymore, and then just kind of focused on writing. Yeah, I didn't see him after that. We didn't. I, I our paths never crossed until that. I I don't think I had ever met him till then. And Janine Garofalo, and then Kindler. Of course, I know Kindler pretty good. He was on Raymond. He played a character on Raymond. Are we forgetting anybody? Wasn't Nick DiPaolo? Was Nick? DiPaolo? Oh, I think maybe Nick DiPaolo yeah. was on too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an amazing group of people, and and uh, but I think uh, right around that time is when the comedy bubble started to pop a little bit because I don't know if there were too many specials after that one. Uh yeah, that probably had peaked already. The comedy boom. Yeah, um, that was. I I don't know. I I also did a half hour that came after that. I think I did an HBO half hour special. Yeah, that was, that was like ninety five. It was definitely after because I yeah. remember we were thinking of the uh, we were trying to come up with a name for the TV show when I was filming that one. That was in, that's the one that was in San Francisco, the half hour. And I remember we were stuck on Everybody Loves Raymond for the pilot. We had shot the pilot, and I think it got picked up. And I was so tortured by the name Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> and I, re- I remember that's where I my manager was there, and I was I was just obsessed with it, and I was thinking about it. it was in the green room, whatever. And Les Moonves had said, Ray, come up with a different title. Come up with a better title and we'll test it. Because they loved Everybody Loves Raymond, the, na- the title. So uh, I remember I, I just scribbled on a uh, piece of paper like seven alternate titles. And I remember walking in my, I was in my dressing room and my manager was in the green room. And I just went in the green room and I threw it at my manager. And he still has the little crumpled <laughs> piece of paper. And, I, and it has, where it has titles like... Um, Raymond's tree, like, <laughs> like the family tree. Yeah. Uh, and then the one I like, um, Raymond, U-M, comma, Raymond. Because yeah. my manager told me, whatever you do, make sure your name is still in the title, because that was so, you know, for business reasons, it was very important for career reasons. And um, that's Raymond, or all this crap. That's so Raymond. Yeah. That's so Raymond. What was the one? There was one that... Uh, there goes Raymond. No, I don't know. I have. It, it, by the way, I brought a book. Ray did a. We did a book on There Goes Raymond, and there's a picture of that scribbled oh, you have piece that? of paper. Yeah, you yeah, have which it? Yeah. looks. It looks like a mental patient is just trying to write, just angrily, time. like yeah, I will yeah, give yeah. you another well, fucking he w- title. He was so tortured by it because we we were in a hotel room in Vegas. Remember and. What Les Moonves said to him is, look, Ray, if it becomes a top 10 show, then you can change No, it. no, no. I said to him, I said, Les, and this was, we, we, didn't know any, we didn't know anything about the show. And I said, Les, and I was kind of just, just having fun with him, but I was saying, Les, this is going to be a top 10 show, and I'm going to have to live with that title for the rest of my life. Uh, just trying to, trying to appeal to him with humor. Sure. Well, it wasn't going to be a top 10 show as far as I, whatever. And he said to me, Ray, if it's a, when it's a top, if it's ever a top 10 show, you can change it to whatever you want. And like after year two, it was a top 10. And I said, hey, Les, 
How about, and he goes, well, you can't change it now. <laughs> In two years. But I think Ray, Ray's beef was, as an insecure comedian, if the show sucks, which most shows sure. are terrible. So Ray wasn't like, this is going to be a great show. Ray's like, it's probably going to suck. And then everybody loves Raymond. It's just such a target for mm. every well, single that's why well, even if Even if it doesn't suck, it's such a thing. Still people, a target. To Shit this sandwich. day, people use, you know, well, not everybody loves Raymond. You know, if I do a movie or something that nobody Oh, right. Loves. Yeah. The, the title came about, it's supposed to, it was a sarcastic comment that my brother made in real life. Uh, my brother was a New York City police officer, and I was doing stand-up at the same time, and he would humorously uh, play up the, the, the juxtaposition of the two careers, you know? And, and, you know, he'd see an award I won or whatever or something, I, and he goes, look at Raymond. He goes, Raymond goes to work, and, and he, he, people cheer, people clap. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> I go to work, and people shoot at me, and people hate me and spit at me. But everybody loves it, and that got into the script. That got into the first draft of the script. It was that's the tone that it was meant. But nobody knows that. Well, did he try to take credit for that? Now, like I named that oh, show. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he he was single. He's he was divorced. He's still divorced, and he was you know going on dating at the time, and you know he at first he was. A little upset be, at the way he was being portrayed because Brad Garrett brought this, you know, well, you know, he brought this hangdoggy Eeyore kind of thing to it, <laughs> and that's not the way we wrote it, and that's not my brother, uh, but Brad, it was magic, you know, it, it, we, we we were blessed that he brought that and lucky, and so he was like, my mother used to tell me, Raymond, why why are you making the brother to be such a goofy? You know, Richard's getting teased at the precinct. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God! Is it the the fraternity of cops probably yeah. had a field day with that? But after after the you know, I was telling it's just a character, it's just a thing, and you know, being a single guy and and having this connection to the show and being the guy. It worked out well for him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets laid except me yeah. with fame. By the way, Ray Ray's brother is so intense. <laughs> he used to. Do you, do you know Tom Hertz, comedian Tom Hertz? He he he, he developed Rules of Engagement. Okay, gotcha, rules of engagement. gotcha. gotcha. Oh yeah, oh, I do know Tom Hertz. Okay, yeah, he's so Tom, he's a, he's a big showrunner. Right, right. Yes. So very funny yeah. guy. But we all played on the improv team. The outfield was me, Ray, and Tom Hertz on the improv softball team. And then Ray's brother had a team, and so he brought a lot of comedians over to the softball game. And and so Ray's brother would be like, Raymond, we're down five runs and your fucking friends are doing nothing but making jokes. And, and Ray goes, they're comedians, Richard. What do you want them to do? We're playing softball, you know? Yeah, he's intense. Is, is, <laughs> is, does, he have any, does he have any awareness at all? Like, is he kind of, is it intense oh, funny? Yeah, no, or he's it... funny. He, he's, he's dry, too. And he's, he's since retired. You know, he did 20 years on the, on the force. And he wrote a script of of course, he started to write a script, <laughs> and which I was like, oh, no, this is the last thing I want. But, I mean, to his credit, he got a movie made. The movie is in uh, post-production right now. He, they, wow. Some woman raised eight hundred thousand dollars, and and he made it in Florida. And he's only three movies yeah. behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not in the business. And now, now, now he's ahead of me. By the way, the, the, I just remembered this story. Ray, what, what, you know the upfronts. Yeah. One time. So Ray's there at the upfronts, and it's limo and all this stuff. 
and we're down in the village, and out walks Ray's brother in real life is on like a narcotics undercover thing, and he comes out dressed like a home. Remember this? Because Royce took an amazing picture oh, yeah. of yeah, yeah. here's Ray surrounded by limos, and here's Ray's brother looking like a he homeless just, guy trying to, to catch drug addicts. No, they were drug. catching. Um, you disagree tra- with everything I say, Raymond. It's going to hurt my feelings. There was <laughs> there was these transvestite drug things Keep that talking. was going on. Yeah, yeah. And he happened to be at the place where we were going for the upfronts. And it's an amazing yeah. photo though, because it's Ray surrounded by limos. And did that make the tabloids? Ray Romano's sure, no, brother lives in poverty, while Ray Romano lives high on the. No, he, he was, was on a. It was a, He was undercover. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, he was undercover. Ray Romano's right. brother, transvestite drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when when did you when did you start doing stand up? Uh, I started in. Um, I was twenty. Three, the first time I ever went on stage, uh, so that's 21 years ago. Um, and but then I gave it up. You know, I, I did I did kind of well. Then I bombed, gave it up for about a year. Went back, same kind of thing happened. You know, after you bomb a couple times, you it scares the shit out. Of, you know, you can. By the way, you can. Yeah. You can say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can say bombing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Do not say bombing, bombing on the show. Yeah. All right. Uh, Did so you say, I, count, by the way, I, I count my official beginning as probably like eighty five ish or eighty four around there, maybe. What was the comedy landscape? No, no, yeah. yeah, maybe eighty three. Tell me your first time at the Improv or the that comic book tape is eighty seven. No, the Improv was the first yeah, time yeah, ever yeah, on yeah. stage. Improv uh, in in Manhattan that doesn't exist anymore. Oh yeah, a, l- yeah. a lot of those great improvs don't. I mean, like there are still improvs around the country, but there was a there was a great club in Santa Monica and the one in yeah. New York and just all these. Well, New York was the first. New York was '64, and it was amazing when it's because they used to do shows till Tech, like three in the morning. They say New York that was the first club in the country, but the, the, the argument is that Pips was Pips in Brooklyn. Well, the first. I'm yeah. just saying the improv back yeah. then. And so what was it, I mean, was there any sort of open mic scene at the time, or was it just like yeah. you audition to get on to the stage at the improv, and then that's no, a big you deal? you audition to become the late night, one of the late nighters. You, would, you go on a Sunday. What happened was uh, you'd go on a Sunday and pick a number, uh, one Sunday a month, pick a number out of a hat in the afternoon, and the, they would give out 20 spots to go on that night. Uh, audition night, and there would be 40 people there, so 20, you know, there'd be 20 blanks in the hat. So uh, when I went, this, this was the second time I tried. I brought a girl with me that I used to, that I worked with. She wasn't a girlfriend, she was just a friend, and I said, we'll both pick out of the hat. I'll have a, a, twice as many, twice a chance, double the chance of getting a number, but if you get picked, the, there's a guy with a clipboard who wants to know your name for that night. I said, you tell him, if you pick a number and I don't, just tell him your name is Jackie Roberts. because He's not going to remember. They're not going to remember at night. You know, this guy's just the clipboard guy. So I'll go on as Jackie Roberts. And an androgynous name could be guy. She picked the number. I drew a blank. So I had to go on that night as Jackie Roberts. And I passed the audition, meaning <laughs> I got to come back next month. But now I'm Jackie Roberts. And I passed again. And I became a late-nighter for the first Month maybe I was too afraid to tell him I'm not Jackie Roberts. But I was Jackie Roberts for the first month of my career, and then I told her, you know that's such a stage name I was using, and I'm just going to go with my real name. And now this other comedian, Jackie Roberts, yeah. actually gained consciousness yeah. and has has had a pretty a relatively good yeah, career. Good career. Yeah. That's a, that's a who writes those kind of scripts? The the guy who wrote it, a, adaptation. 
Oh, uh, Charlie, Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody infested another guy. Did you guys? Oh, this is a whole. This is about to get off on a whole separate thing. Did you, did you guys do Raymond in Russia? Was that your story? No, no was the other that, was, that was Phil. Phil Rosenthal. Uh, it wasn't even Phil. Sony, who owned the rights to it for I don't know how that works, uh, was selling it to Russia. Russia was going to take our scripts and do them. To just translate them and do the scripts word word for word. Sure, know. because there's there's no more than just words. Yes. That, there's no cultural. Well, there's no structure of of higher of family. By the way, I I went to Warsaw into the series. I went to Warsaw, Poland, and did rules of engagement in Warsaw, Poland last November, and. They didn't have, if you've ever seen Rules of Engagement, they have a diner scene. And the first day I'm walking in, and there's no diner. There's like, it looks like a nightclub instead of their daily diner where they have discussions. And and so I I said, well, where's the diner? And they're like, well, this is the diner. And I said, but it looks like a beautiful nightclub, and you're supposed to come in in the morning and talk about your day. And there's a lot of scenes where like Spade will come in and drop down in the booth and slide over. (laughs) So I said, if nothing else, you have to have a booth. And they're like... There's no such thing as a booth yeah. in Poland. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to write an email to Rules of Engagement the, to, to Tom and say, hey, can you get a PA to measure your booth and send it here? Send it to Warsaw, Poland. And their line producer started corresponding with me and saying, yeah, I don't know who you are. We can't send this information out, like the top <laughs> secret what a booth looks like information. And eventually they had to send it over to Poland, and we built like the first booth. In I hope they um, get the internet over there because that yeah. would solve literally everything. Well, still, well, to well, now, what you're saying about they have the booth. Well, yeah. the booth. <laughs> the their, their economy turned around. Yeah. There's really, still a plaque commemorating the first. It the, completely uh, changed their political structure. Uh, no, but what you're talking about with the cultural differences, like it. Yeah. Phil Roslow went over there and did Everett Raymond in Russia, and it became a giant hit. And is it a hit? It's a, they, they, they shot every episode we did, which was 210 episodes, and they're writing 60 new ones. So that's how big of a hit. So then are you guys going to do the Russian versions again when yeah, you're yeah, yeah, over here? Yeah. 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 That documentary has so many, like, just really tense, awkward moments yeah. of just like, you know, Phil just trying to say what they should do and then everyone just hating him. Well, from the out, you, you, you haven't seen it, Chris. That one I have not seen. Okay. I've seen your it's documentary. I haven't so seen it yet. They, yeah. yeah. So in that one, in Exporting Raymond, if you want to learn about the business, it's, it's a great movie because Phil is constantly, Phil, who knows what he's doing. Let's say he's an expert on Everett's Raymond. There is nobody more expert than the guy that created and ran it for nine Whoa. years. Oh, other than <laughs> how about Raymond? One, Ray, you'll get a minute for rebuttal, Raymond. How about so, Raymond? So, <laughs> but the bottom line is you're watching Jackie Roberts over from, here. Yeah, yeah, Jackie Roberts. That guy, by the way, like he had a great act. But if you watch the movie, Ray, Phil is constantly giving advice. It's you consulting and saying, "Here's how I do the Chris Hardwick Nerdist show." Sure. Yeah, okay, Chris, we'll handle it for right, you. Right, right, right. We know how to run. And so Phil's constantly getting kicked in the balls. So that's yeah. what you were. So yeah, on yeah. The outside, it's great because he's. It's, like, a, it's it's a really it could have been a, a Christopher Guest movie like of just how it just everything sat and like yeah. just. So maybe you shouldn't. They, and then they would like scoot chairs away from him. They just, it was a. Well, they amazing. hated him by the end. They hated him, yeah. I had the opposite okay. experience. I'm yeah. curious to know, going back to the other point, who Polish David Spade is. Well, can I tell you? They also, I'm there for a month. I, I want to get back to I want to get back to our movie eventually. But yeah. I'm I'm in Poland for a month, and uh, at the end you have a screening for the network executives, and they're they're really good. They were really on the ball in Russia, and they say the for this last screening there are no such things as womanizers in Poland, and so 
I, it just that, that sounds crazy, right? I mean, men are kind of men mm. everywhere. Sure. Because they're yeah. all womanizers. So Say, yeah. <laughs> that's just the way they are. <laughs> yeah, right. It equals out the curve. Yeah. So uh, they're like, we're, I'm worried about that David Spade character. This is the president of the network who's a smart guy. He's and they a, literally just meant David Spade. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they had it. They, they ended up having a guy who was a famous actor who did a great job. He was phenomenally. But their bigger concern was culturally there aren't a lot of womanizers. That's because there's no booth. <laughs> if I had, uh, to move in on him when you have to yeah. scoot a chair over but instead. we solved that problem excellent yeah. call that excellent outstanding yeah all of the uh, all the pickup artists are going to Warsaw you guys yeah. like that's yeah. that's where the action is no one has yeah. been nobody yeah this is an untapped vein right. and by the way what was what, your take on the women there what Didn't sign you are you yeah, the, uh, what sign are you? They've never heard. Like, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the worst pickup artist from America goes over there. He's the king of the world. Uh, yeah. And the women in Poland are stunningly attractive. Like, uh, you, you know, you know, you, from doing stand up, you know, you're, you know, the girls in Houston, the girls yeah. in Montreal, the girls here, and then you get there, it's kind of the same as any other population. Although I will say, Montreal, Montreal has Montreal's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in Poland, I heard the same thing. I heard, oh, when you go to Warsaw, it's going to be, and sure enough, like my interpreter was in. Very, very attractive, and the and the guys were saying like, "Thank God that there's just all these beautiful women because we're all very unattractive men." But it doesn't. <laughs> but there's no, you know. So it, it was, yeah. So they, 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 um, you know. Well, let, let me let me leave a message. Trip, plan a trip to Poland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Siri, <laughs> tell wife going to Jersey yeah, Shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, by the way, Chris, you, so you saw the movie? I did see. I did see the movie. Yeah, and it's so the movie was shot. Years T- ago. Ten years ago, eleven years ago, season five of Raymond. Yeah. yeah. So that's really season five is probably what I assume is about the time where you start to feel like the show's okay. We're on the air. We're not going to get canceled. You're just probably starting to feel comfortable at that point. Uh, as far as not getting canceled, we kind of knew in year three probably that we were pretty safe. But we, I think we were. Yeah. But we. You can breathe. You, you know, it's it's Hollywood. So. Sh- Shit happens quickly, yeah. and like I'm the greatest. But it was rolling the train. Yeah, yeah the, the wheels. We were we were rolling down the track in season five. Yeah, everything was moving full uh, steam. I always wonder how you keep a show like that. I mean, I, I you know ensemble casts are, I think make make a show. Yeah, and I think a lot of you know especially during the the hey let's make stand ups uh, sitcoms in the '90s that that whole thing which you did obviously beautifully, but a lot of comics would get shows. And then they just wanted to be the only focus of the show and not really have a like a great supporting. It almost felt like keeping a band together for that long. So how do you keep a band of actors who all have their own sets of baggage and egos and like, oh, well, now maybe we're famous, too. Like, how do you keep a show like that intact for so long? Money. <laughs> uh, um, everybody, you know. The the biggest stars were the parents. It was Doris Roberts and Peter Boyle. Yeah. The, the biggest stars when the show when the show started. Began. Yeah, uh, uh, I was an unknown. Brad was an unknown. Patty had had done enough more than us. But um, we were, you know, I was just happy to freaking do anything, anything, you know. And and I was nervous as hell. I'm working with Peter Boyle and this and that. So I was happy to just to just be there. Um, having said that, you know. When it does become a success, it's business. It's business, and and actors, you know, they want to get what they think they deserve. The network's making money. I'm make. I start making a crazy amount of money. They want to get money too, and I don't hold that against them. And you know, there was some renegotiating 
stuff. There was a couple of tense uh, times, you know, where people felt they weren't getting enough, but it, it kind of all worked out. But I don't, you know, I, I just feel like that's, that's par for the course. That's just the way any successful show but, goes. But I know? think to Ray is a nice guy. You know, well, and so he says, you and those two guys, <laughs> right? Don't that I agree. Not He's just saying what we're all thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, we got to get a picture of these guys. Sta- it's like I, I love this. It's like a, a doo-wop <laughs> team or something. That's, um, the, but Ray set the tone on the set. So Ray was never a prima donna. And Phil, Ray, Phil, and Phil, Phil wrote, yeah, Phil, Phil and Ray yeah. together. It was just a set of people. So the financial stuff that Ray's talking about, it become there. There becomes a point, just like with the Seinfeld guy, you know, comes a point where it's season six, seven, eight, and they're known as these characters and their money is coming to an end. And they're kind of oddly like, you know, Jason Alexander kind of is known as George a lot, you know, for like, he's, it's a kind of an albatross, even though you've, you pray 10 years before the show comes about, what if I could put you on a hit sitcom? Oh, please do it. So there is that money negotiation at the end where the network goes, basically, where are you going to go? And the the actors are going. Can you please pay us some more? So it becomes towards the end this kind of tug of war. But as far as just personalities and on the set, yeah, great personalities. There was never an issue there. Like like the only issue, and it was it wasn't even that big. Was was negotiations? Yeah, like but that's normal. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird because you're in a creative business, and then it's also a business. So you have this thing where it's negotiation time, and now they say, hey whoever actor you're terrible and we'll replace you in a second and there was one time where we really brad was in negotiation and there the call came down from cbs write brad out of the show <laughs> really <laughs> yeah so write him out so we had to go in the writer's room and take him out of this script for an episode for an for episode, episode yeah. because oh. they're like he's oh they're trying that, to send a message they're sending a message see you later brad it's it's everybody loves raymond here's who we don't need anybody but it but wasn't but, but by the way none of those None of the cast members were expendable. No, right. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm yeah. saying the, the business right. negotiation is that's why you should name your show always your name. Well, <laughs> and that, but that's because I, I started to say earlier is that that's why Ellen didn't name her sitcom Ellen to begin with because she was terrified that it was going to tank and then just drag her name in the mud with but it. But that's right. everybody loves Raymond's fear. But it, it is true. You know, you become. The you fear know, wasn't my show tanking. The fear was just people yeah, taking using, it as jab. a comic, first of all. The last thing you want to even think is that everybody loves you, because the the thing that makes you become a stand-up comic is you think everyone hates you. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and no one wants to watch a comedian yes. talk about how every yeah so right. how but, popular and 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 I know and, it was done tongue in cheek and all that, but no one's nobody knows know that, that yeah. at the beginning. Well, you know from just from being a stand-up that no matter how ironic you think you're being, you think you're being, there is a percentage of people. They'll be like, why did you say that? Oh, yeah. Like, no, well, it's a fucking joke. It was obviously a joke. Well, right. like, like Louis C.K.'s album. Like, he calls his album hilarious. Yeah. And that's just kind of a, like a, just tempting people to yeah, just say, right. well, this is yeah. truly not hilarious. I think it's always funny when you're negotiating, like when you get a job offer and you're negotiating. I, my, my manager and I have this joke that the, the producers and the network will tell you that you're amazing and then turn you over to business affairs and then they will tell you why you're not necessary. Yeah. That's exactly So it. that they can yeah. negotiate. Yeah. So it's this sort of weird, yeah. you're amazing, but not really. Yeah, there's a you're thousand amazing, like but you replaceable. Yeah. yeah, at the same time. And we also have this weird dynamic where it's, uh, we're weird about talking about money in our culture. Like you can talk about, you can talk about the lowest salaries and the highest salaries 
but you can't talk about the like if you make minimum wage, you go, I make like seven bucks an hour. Or in your case, when your salary is being published, everyone go, oh, he makes you know, all this money per week. But if you make like a hundred thousand, it's a weird thing to talk about with people for some reason. It's only the lowest and the highest yeah. amounts. Yeah, yeah. You mean it's off? I, I remember Neil. You know Neil Brennan. Yeah, very well. Okay, so Neil. I remember I saw Neil at the Comedy Magic Club because Neil used to be when I started. He was like handing out flyers at Boston Comedy Club in New as York a teenager. City. Yeah, yeah, in New yeah. York City. Well, his brother Kevin was doing it yeah. for a while, but then he was there, and I ran into him at the Comedy Magic Club. I don't know when, whenever it was now, five years ago or something. It's weird because all of a sudden you move to Hollywood, and you can't. There's a potential to get a lot of money all of a sudden, where mm-hmm. you don't even want to mention it to people. Like there, there's, there's. I had yeah. a friend who sold a pilot, and she's like, Tom, you're the only one I could call to share with, not because I like you, but because you're the only one who was earning a living, so my other friends wouldn't be jealous. Well, you know? and, it, and it's also, yeah, because even, I, I'm sure there's, you know, as, as, a, as a performer, like when a friend of yours hits it big and you're struggling, you are definitely happy for them, but it's also that... It's also a mirror where you're like, fuck, that's what I want, and I'm not there yet. And it like yeah. it, it just gets into your head. Well, it's weird with Ray's success, because we like even now, some people listening now will be like, Hey, who's whoever the guy who's not Ray, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Let me hear Ray. Yeah. But you know, we we've been friends for so long, way before he was famous. So <laughs> he's just Ray, my friend. But then you see, once he becomes crazy famous, the effect that it has on other people. You know, this weird, like, there's weird people who feel like they're entitled to, like, I knew you when, so I'm entitled. Or they'll tell you that you have not, and I'm not saying this has happened to me, it is definitely not, but, or what I assume happens is people go, you've changed, man. You're like, I'm not doing, I haven't done anything. Yeah. What did I do? Well, 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 the, the, the thing is, once you reach that certain point, everybody kind of wants to be there with you. And you just don't have time for everybody. So the, the, that's the one thing I had to learn was the, the, the old saying is you can't please everybody all the time. I mean, you, you, there were, you know, as a comic, you kind of, as mo- the way I am, I don't want any confrontation. I want to please everybody. And the one thing I had to accept in this business when you reach a certain point is that ain't going to happen. Right. You know, you're going to disappoint some people and there's nothing you can do. You got to accept it. And do uh, you feel uh, you were looked alarmed there, Raymond, at the guy I walking that was, by? It looked like uh, I don't know somebody <laughs> looked like a guy yeah. weeks ago. That guy, <laughs> I I didn't yeah. see anyone walk by. <laughs> yeah. I think. By the way, nobody cares looking in here. I realize they see you like walking by this yeah. glass booth that we're in. Like people kind of like, oh, that's Chris Hardwick, and there's Ray Romano. Oh, what am I going to have? Also, for there's a rule you know? that if uh, if Seacrest wasn't here, you can't make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> He'll attack he, you if you was do. He here? That's he true, to, by the way. Yeah. He so, did his his show from here. His yeah, radio? and they built a whole new studio. Oh, oh that's yeah. This was the initial. Oh, I thought he owned the building, but he owns probably a large part of the <laughs> yeah. building. He owns the town, but it's uh, yeah. But occasionally you'll see like Joan Rivers will walk by and wave it. You're like, oh, it's Joan Rivers, yeah. who still only flies out, who flies out from New York every week to do that fucking show. Yeah. She's like 80 years old. Yeah, that's uh, funny. By the way, just sorry off of what Ray was saying about like you learn you can't please anybody, yeah. and you you know you with with certain notoriety, all of a sudden someone's writing their request from let's say Ray, and it's like, can you speak at this charity? Can you speak and it's like he would like to speak at every charity, but there's a stack of all these equal for the same day, for example. Like even yeah. like I would have friends like, you think Ray would play in this celebrity charity tournament for him? I'm like, he probably would want to, but there's nine other offers and he also has a family and a life. But 
from their perspective, it's like it would kill him to do one. Oh, why do you hate thing? sick kids, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> You're against helping children. All right. I'm All curious. Right. I would love. I'm. I wouldn't love to know what happens. It because as a young comedian, you have this idea in your head of here's a thing that I want to achieve. Whether and how how specifically did you know what it was that you wanted to achieve? Did you know you just kind of wanted to be a bigger stand up? I just wanted stand up. I just wanted to do stand up. Okay, yeah. so you achieve, you know, like what almost very what, but very few people will ever achieve in terms of like making a name as a stand up. I mean, did it feel like what you thought it would feel like, or or how quickly did you kind of go? Ah, fuck! This didn't solve all the problems I thought it was going to mm. solve. God damn it! Didn't fill that hole. No, the hole was never filled. I thought he was making a request over here. I was afraid to turn around. <laughs> that should have been the name of it. It's like, it's a smile and fill that hole. The, like, the hole is never filled. Way, that's the name of the next book. And if I ever write another book, the hole is never filled. The hole is never filled. filled. Yeah. Um, my days uh, as a strip club manager. I don't know. <laughs> I think it sounds um, like Courtney Love's biography. Nice. See? Because uh, okay. of her band. Um, but yeah, that's, it, it is a weird thing. Because you're getting all this stuff and you're getting adulation and all that, and you and that's kind of subconsciously that's why you're doing. You know, there's that need. There's that need that makes a person get up on stage and and they want to be accepted and and liked by everybody. And you're kind of getting it, but it it you know it doesn't end though. It doesn't end. I've said it before. One hug from my father. And I don't have to sit here and do this. <laughs> Didn't he hug you uh, once ever? We, one time he hugged me. It was very odd. Very, he's, very he's uncomfortable. He's been chasing that dragon it ever was, since. It was very uncomfortable. Get back to that place, man. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. What was uncomfortable about it, though? Uh, probably the nudity. These <laughs> <laughs> guys. Well, they they were. I was just trying to set up a joke there, and you yeah. guys were. No, that's all right. But um, it still yeah, works. I don't think carry it, through. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your guys. Am I killing your sideline? By the way, no, no, no. It's fine. Man I get to look at you too. But you guys are really at the, in the documentary. You at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the movie, you're coming out together and fielding questions, and uh, and it's a totally different dynamic because you're playing off each other, uh, and it's fun. It's 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 really fun in right. in a way that I think stand up can be fun sometimes, but not always because you're just like having another guy out there that's your buddy and. I think you're referring. So we we did a movie ninety five miles to go. Ninety five miles to go it, about it, your tour about right. Ray's tour. By the way, that's a that's a that couldn't be more of an indie movie in the truest sense. In that, even though it's Ray, a famous guy, it was literally we took a film <laughs> student. It's so funny you're saying how how indie it is. Indie. My my brother, my younger brother said, well, "What are you guys doing?" This is when we, you were working on the extras. Right, right, right. The extras for the movie, and I go, well, I'm, "I'm working with Tom. He's making extras for the movie." It was extras for me. He goes. The movie is an extra. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I actually, I think he said he's doing behind-the-scenes stuff. He's like, yeah. isn't the movie is? But yeah. yeah. Well, the so we we, it's actually a good story if you're doing kind of if you want to do something yourself, right? So from the outside, it looks like oh, Ray said I want to make a documentary, and it happened. And at no, the time, I was the opposite. I said I don't I don't want to make a documentary, and it Man, still had happened. happened. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Well, no, what happened? An interesting story in that. We, I, I've been filming me and Ray on the road forever. And so one year I said, Ray, let's do it for real. So Ray's manager said, okay, let's get like the Spielberg of documentaries involved. So we have a conference call and, you know, she says, okay, what are you guys doing? I said, well, we're going to fly to Miami and then we're going to drive every city up to Atlanta and do a tour. 
And she said, this I see... This is the documentary woman. This is the documentary not woman. Not my manager. Yeah, the, yeah. not the manager, yeah. yeah. And so we know we're excited about it. We're going we're gonna to make it. And she's like, I see no reason to shoot this. Yeah. Unless Ray gives birth to a child or walks on the moon, no one's ever going to watch it. Like, Shitty not, and and we were like, I even said on the phone, I go, and I said, we should be filming this right here. <laughs> well, I said, should we cancel the tour also? Because she was just so negative. I think I know who it was that you talked to. I don't want to say her name because she's so big and powerful that I don't even remember who you're talking about. I don't oh, even remember good. the conversation. Well, yeah, I we're on a conference do. call. I do. I yeah, because Ro- yeah. Rory Ray's manager was being helpful. He's is like, is her mother famous? Uh, maybe. Okay. We can talk. Yeah, we can talk after. But <laughs> anyway, so I said, so I said, all right, Ray, let's do it anyway. What the heck? And so then they were going to do. He, his manager again said, well, we'll get the crew that does taxi cab confessions, and they have lipstick cameras. They'll have a crew following you everywhere. They'll ch- change out tapes. It'll be great. And Ray's like, I don't. A, I don't want to do the movie, Tom. But I really don't want to have a crew <laughs> yeah. follow me around. I wanted to relax. We just finished filming. I wanted to just get. You know, my, I had three little kids. My wife was letting me go away for a week. I just want to relax and, and play golf. And this guy wants, uh, you know, so, so Michael I, Moore to come with us. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Moore was a, like a 20-year-old college student, Roger Lay, who was in a USC directing class that I took. So I, I said, Roger, do you want to go with us on the tour? So we did. I said, you just got to crouch down in the back seat the whole time and not be a little seen. Little kid, a little like, he looks like Topo Gido. You know yeah, Topo he's... Gido? Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, Ray, action! Yeah. By the way, he's a great kid. Great kid. Yeah, he's a, great, he was supposed yeah. to come. I don't know where he is. Yeah, and, um, he, and he, he did a great job. He too. loves your podcast, though. So yeah. he was like, uh, so anyway, so we, sh- we we shoot it, and you know, the end of the story is we shoot it, we set up an edit bay, we edit it. Three years later, we have a big screening. HBO comes. HBO pays a decent amount of money to air it for three years. So the person at HBO said, never, do not think this movie is a waste of time. They end up buying the movie. Mm-hmm. And so in, the, in between then, and I guess the, the point is here, you think from the outside. Ray just said, make a movie. So it was made and then it happened. Still, there's always that obstacle in the way of like, it's so hard to get stuff done, especially in Hollywood where there's always an agent or somebody who's saying, don't do it. It's a waste. Of, how are you going to say, you know, it's amazing. Well, look at the, the last TV show I did, The Men of a Certain Age. No, I wanted nothing more than for that to keep going. And sorry, that was, that was a good show. <laughs> yeah. too. It was a good show. I had a, I had I had a friend who wrote on that show, and it just it, it, who who uh, Mark Stegman. Yeah, Stegman. Oh yeah, I love him. Yeah, yeah really okay. funny guy. Yeah, and yeah. His, his wife Kit is hilarious yeah. too. Yeah, like they're yeah, just they're yeah. funny, a funny couple, but not in the like look we're comedian. Like just yeah. just funny, just funny people. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. No, well, but, he. He, I, I just thought of a Seinfeld uh, story because uh, did you ever see comedian? Seinfeld's yeah, of course. Comedian? Okay, so great movie. If you if you're into stand up, that's a great movie for seeing because there you see how laborious it is and just how unglamorous it is. Our, ours is a much more fun road tour. Like you're out of the clubs and stuff, but you also see kind of the grind of it. Yeah. But when we were shooting our movie, the guy, one of the producers, Gary Striner, is his name. He was. We were in the comedy cellar. And there's a scene in the movie where Ray's talking to Seinfeld. I, I'm in the booth also. Mm-hmm. In Seinfeld's movie. Seinfeld's yeah. movie, comedian. We're yeah. sitting there in this booth for a long time. And I became friends. Not, with... So you know it's not Poland. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had a booth. Because <laughs> we're in a booth. So yeah. that By the way, automatically, this I know. Honestly, that geotags. That's, that's the second callback, and it's 45 minutes. It still worked. You know what I mean? Like in, when you're writing a Raymond script, you'd be like, I don't know if that callback's going to work. Because the audience, yeah, yeah. it's 12 minutes later and Too whatever. So that's an awesome. Right, right. They, uh, they actually don't. 
understand who shot Abraham Lincoln in Poland. In Poland yeah. yeah. Well, it's weird when you say <laughs> Poland is a punchline already when you're there because you're like, it's the Polish version of John <laughs> Wilkes. Who? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. Ski. It won't. It doesn't translate. <laughs> <laughs> So the so the uh, the um, the guy from Seinfeld, he said, I became friends with him, and they shot 600 hours, and I was saying to him, tell us your mistake. They were like a year ahead of us. Yeah. So I said, tell us your mistakes. And he said, the one thing that he did, which was really helpful, he said, you got to screen it for as big an audience as possible, as often as possible. Because when they sold Comedian, I guess Miramax wanted them to... Um, screen it for an audience. So they, you know, Jerry's like, why do we have to screen it, I guess? And they finally convinced him to screen it. They screened it at Hoboken, 300 people. 10% of the audience walked out, he said. And they had this sinking feeling like there's certain scenes that people are really bored by. So they had to kind of go back in and cut out some of the boring stuff and add the funny part. Because that's what you're, you're, you're expecting funny when you see a Jerry movie. And he said one of the guys, there were comment cards. And one of the comment cards was, you think this is entertainment? Give me 10 bucks and I'll kick you in the balls. Wow. And so, yeah. And so... For, I don't know. I don't yeah, know why that's the that alternative. Man was Jim Norton. <laughs> <laughs> You're just kicking, yeah. He meant it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. that's a compliment. Yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting because we we said like Ray and I were like, all right, let's cut out anything self-aggrandizing. Let's punish the audiences in the testing. So we tested the we tested the movie. The first version we showed was two hours. What you saw is seventy-seven minutes, and mm-hmm. we shot hundred and thirty hours. And it was such a lesson for you know. Right, you but, wa- uh, before you go through, we should also say. Comedian ended up being a great movie. I love Comedian. Okay, yeah. so that, 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 that was just the process. Movie. That was the process. Yeah, well, the, the, the yeah, yeah the, pre- the process of you, if you're doing comedy, which you guys are without knowing it, with those two <laughs> earpieces. <you know, laughs> they, if you're doing comedy, like you, it's that black box technology, which, and you learn that when you're doing a, f- a four camera sitcom. The audience tells you there, there is no more debate. The audience either laughs or doesn't laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you know that as a stand-up. There is no, like, I'm going to argue about how good that joke is. Well, there is no argument anymore. As opposed to if you're doing mm-hmm. a drama, you can have a debate forever about, and neither of you is right or wrong. It's like, okay, well, it's the absence of laughter is your, you know, your empirical. But I also love, I, 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 I felt, I felt empathy, but loved the moment when you're doing the corporate gig and d- destroyed, you, f- you fucking destroyed and still there was a human re- and you're i would consider you one of the cleaner <laughs> comics in the world you yeah. know like i i i remember seeing you at the improv like maybe 8 or 9 years ago and doubled over in laughter because you were do- what you as a cynical young comic you made me laugh with jokes about your kids and your family and right. it, the joke was uh that uh, I think it was just about how the, your kid can just repeat the word ladle over and oh, over yeah, and over yeah, again yeah. entertain himself yeah, yeah i mean it, it, and and so to me Seeing this human resources person say like, you know, you mentioned oral sex, and you're yeah. like, but I, but yeah. the, why would they? Got the, that got the biggest laugh. It too, got a huge laugh, yeah, and yeah. then and she was doing that sort of passive aggressive thing of like, yeah. well, it'd really have been great if you didn't do that part, but everything else was fine. I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine, and just <laughs> kind of feeling so bad for you because I know I when you do tortured. a corporate gig, they just feel like, hey, we're paying you, we fucking own you. Yeah, yeah I was tortured for a while there. If you saw in the. I couldn't let it go on the car ride home. And, I, well, it was annoying yeah. me because I'm like, off of what you're saying. <laughs> what was it's funny like, is I couldn't let it go on the car ride home, and you were trying to talk me down. And as soon as you said, 
The woman, the woman who said you were cute, and I went, whoa, 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 whoa cute. <laughs> All of a sudden, I forgot about the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a weird thing as a comedian, where in your mind, your job is to make people laugh, and then when you do that successfully, and someone else goes, "Oh, uh, you didn't do a, a great job," and you're like, "But I, what are yeah. you? Well, I'm trying to." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, what yeah. what what you're talking about in the movie is what if you don't know stand up. Corporate gigs pay a ton of money. Tons. Tons of yes. money. So you want to do a corporate... They're also the worst gigs you can possibly do <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes they're amazing. And so they do, in a way, kind of own you. And there's certain comedians that just don't do corporate gigs because they're not going to... You know, they're not going to have Ray's reaction, which is, oh, I hope we're not in trouble here with that one maybe cleanest joke of a dirty joke that you're ever going to hear that right. killed. I'm really sorry. So the, the, the in the corporate world, it's like they have this feeling of, like, we own you. And in a way... Yeah, they do because of the well, money. I don't even do people even know when you say corporate gig, they may not even know what you're talking about. Well, if a co- yeah. like 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 a yeah. like a you know, a if an, ins- an insurance a, company wants to have a retreat, and they have all their employees there, and they hire a comedian to come up and entertain. But their but you're company. coming on to their home turf. Yeah. There's a pre-existing uh, conference, a con- exist, but, yeah. but but like a pre-existing structure of their of how they behave in their little world then you don't know what it is right and uh, and a lot of times they'll come up to you and go oh you got to make fun of uh you got to make fun of Ralph right yeah. cuz he's fucking loves it and then you do and they're like oh you shouldn't have made fun of Ralph yeah but remember <laughs> i remember in this one the the president of the company was up and dancing, break dancing. before i got on yeah, he was, was breakdancing break dancing. and the crowd was going nuts and i was but by the way you so you watching that from the outside like how anxiety provoking is that cuz i go up and open for Ray and there's a crazy talented Singer, it's like the worst case scenario of comp. You don't want to follow the music. Well, you don't want to follow. By the way, I just I just thought of Ray had to do the inaugural ball for Obama. <laughs> that was the worst gig yeah. I've ever seen for <laughs> for stand up. <laughs> Ray killed. Ray killed. It was. Wait, I mean, wait, 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 worst gig. First of all, it was an honor. So it wasn't a worst gig. Well, who was he? Was, just the was, president of the United States. Yes, he was. He was. It was the night of the inauguration. It, but it was I, the conditions for us for stand up were not the best. Of course, it was a big ballroom, people standing. Yeah, and uh, stages here, stages there, and they're waiting for for you're, Beyonce. You're, I, can and, I tell the story? Because I, I, I have to watch it. Also, technically, the president had just been notarized. Yeah. <laughs> then well, that was the, here, the the backstory is we knew Phil had met the president's wife. And the wife points to President Obama and says, he's Raymond. You know, yeah, he's Raymond. So we know fans. he's a fan they of the fans, show. Yeah. So Ray has to, they request Ray to do it. So for like two it's weeks. Te- it's televised. It's on Channel 7. So, it's on yeah. ABC. Yeah. So, so for two weeks, we're going to comedy clubs and Ray's working out his material. I'm working on my political because you know how much <laughs> I, uh, I'm a political comedian I am. So, so we go down and now here's the setting. It's a giant ballroom. Everybody's standing, but it's like a conference room. There's no seats. Everybody's standing in a tuxedo. Wall Ray, to wall talking. Yeah, wall to wall PBI. In the most Ray, uncomfortable shoes they can be wearing. Yeah, yeah, true. And Ray has to go out, but the stage is behind him is scrolling the Declaration of Independence. Okay, <laughs> as it's, it's going to go on. He has to follow Sting and Stevie Wonder doing a song. 
while so Ray now goes out after they do a so, so imagine following who are you following? I'm following Sting. Okay? A dream away, Not, yeah. away, away. Ladies right, are weird. You hate it when you're like, oh, I have to follow a guy who works ha- the audience too much. No, I'm doing a superstar legend of rock. Sure. So now Ray has to walk out while he's doing his set. <clears throat> there's a performance of like Cirque du Soleil people that they're prepping for. So there are scantily clad women being hoisted next to Ray on the ends of like the big velvet rope or whatever it is. Yeah. Good. So now Ray's on stage. So as he's saying, so anyway, there's a scantily clad girl on each side of him. Say, so how about that president? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being raised up. Halfway through his set, they accidentally raise the curtain on Jay-Z. So the whole audience turns and is like, holy shit, there's Jay-Z. <laughs> this is while he's doing Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, then, so then he has to do his, and they don't mic the audience. So we, f- we fixed it in post, though. He actually, did, <laughs> he actually did very well, considering it was just a crazy... Yeah, but, you know, what? what's so, what's so <laughs> fun hard about comedy is... Hey, here's music. You sort of have to pay attention. Hey, look, blinking lights. Hey, there's a famous guy that you know. Uh, Could everyone just listen to me? And it's very important that you listen to all the words because they really, they really are the engine behind this thing I'm doing. Well, that 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 callback that he did 45 minutes later that works perfectly because everyone's paying attention. Like you missed three words. I think I kicked the wire out. See that wire? I kind of. Uh, I can still hear you, so everything's still fine. Yeah, everything's still fine. The elevators stop, though. (laughs) (laughs) People just start leaping out of the windows. Well, you know, they also picked me to do the um, Washington press correspondence dinner when Clinton was in, and it was right after the Lewinsky stuff. And I was only year two, maybe, of Raymond or three. Three. And uh, no, no political stuff in my act. Nothing, unless. You know, I, I can find politics in baby poop. There, there's nothing I can do. And I'm saying, why do they want me? That's why they wanted me. They wanted me because of they were so afraid of putting anybody else in there because of what was going on, the the, scan, the Lewinsky stuff. And I thought, oh, but I got to go up in front and do my, uh, hey, marriage. And no, no, they want it. And it, it actually went really well. And when you watch on C-SPAN, it's weird because the audience is at mic, so it doesn't sound. But but in the room, it went really well. This is one of the. There's a lot of surreal moments in my life. I have a like the top five, and and easily in the top five is afterwards is Henry Kissinger coming over and saying, <laughs> "Very funny." Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But the next day, I got shit in the uh, on the internet uh, about not being political. Because that and and in hindsight, I wouldn't. I don't think I would do it again. Because that's that's, that's what, what they thing want. Is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. You they know what I mean? Yeah. It's a it's it's tradition. Everybody loves Raymond, but yeah. Raymond doesn't love politics. That would be the <laughs> yeah, thing. exactly. Oh, Raymond, I want to tell you, we are trying to uh, have this movement to bring booths to Poland. <laughs> I want to. It is years from now. This will pay off. Um, I, I think it'd be really. I think it'd be really awesome if they had hired you, thinking like, oh, he's gonna do like family stuff, and then you just become like yeah. the edgiest, like, yeah. hey. Smell my cigar, Mr. President. Fuck you guys. Oh, like, dude. what happened? <laughs> how quickly, how quickly would the career have like do you feel that pressure of like, boy, I just say one wrong turn of a word and then that's it? Oh yeah. Well, I feel that every time I go on stage is uh yeah, you could what if I snap? What if I <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, uh, that 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 was a nervous night. That was the most probably the most nervous I've ever been was going on. For the president, yeah. And for, I mean, yeah. for the uh, having to follow Clinton, yeah. What are a couple other of your surreal moments? Well, just you know, doing the Tonight Show, doing Johnny Carson, uh, hosting SNL, 
was the how was how was the Tonight Show? I mean, I, it makes me sad that I will never as Johnny Carson is one of the people like many that I idolized, and it, it yeah. there's a weird kind of thing of like. And I'll never get to meet him ever, ever, yeah, ever. It's just yeah. not possible anymore. And never yeah. get to do the Tonight Show. I, I got in just under the gun. I got in with uh, he he retired. I did it in November, and he retired in like was it May, May. or May, yeah. May, May, the May, following year. Yeah, and you know, yeah, it, it's mind blowing because there are two things that I projected. And I did it almost humorously. And one of them was being on The Tonight Show. Before I did stand-up, me and my buddy Bill, I remember we were dr- kind of drunk and we were in our kitchen. And my older brother was, you know, we, I was his younger brother, so he didn't want to deal with me and my drunk friend. And we thought we were funny. And I said to him, Rich, in 10 years, we're going to be on The Tonight Show. We're going to be on The Tonight Show. And he, he said, yeah, okay. I go, any amount of money, any amount of money. And we bet like $50 that I would be on The Tonight Show in 10 years. And it probably took about 18 years after that. And I think we doubled to nothing every year. So I think I saved, <laughs> if, you, if you do the math, I saved $4 million, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but Where that was one thing. And the other one was playing at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, because I used to watch it on TV, and I was a golf crazy golf fanatic. And I, and I told my buddy, another guy of mine, I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play in that Pro-Am. He goes, yeah, there's no way. I'll, I'll bet you... Uh, I'm going to play, and I gave, I gave a time, like 10 years, I'm going to play in the Pro-Am, and I had no idea how. And, and when I, but, but the stipulation is I can play either as the amateur or the pro. So I'm not saying maybe I'm the pro <laughs> in 10 years. Yeah. And I got to play in it. I mean, those were crazy moments that I got to realize. But The Tonight Show was just... I, I, I remember um, the day of The Tonight Show, I had only been doing stand-up six years, which... And how long have you been doing it? Um, well, full time for fourteen years now. Okay, but so you know, it doesn't seem six years sounds like a lot, but in not high, in stand-up terms. Yeah, in you're only just yes, figuring out who you yes, are at that point. Exactly. So I was six years in, and I guess I kind of had my my shit down. But but it, now I can look and say how much better I got after that. But um, I rem- uh, my daughter was uh, my daughter's twenty one now. She was freaking two years old then, uh, and. I remember being in the hotel. I was living in New York, so we were in the hotel, and we were getting ready to go, and I had to go take a shower. And my manager went into his room, and I took a shower, and this is the shower I'm going to take before I go on The Tonight Show. And I, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to masturbate. There's no way I'm going to masturbate, <laughs> even though I probably, I probably should have. <laughs> right? But I'm, I'm watching, and I can't feel my arm. I'm so... Uh, wrapped up in this, I started getting numb, and I started to have an anxiety attack in the ba- in the shower. I remember, <sighs> kind of. I get out, and we get into the limo, and I can't, I can't shake it. I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to be horrible. And we drove about a block and a half away from the hotel, and I, and I'm, I'm freaking out. And I didn't, I, you know, you know your little crib sheet with yeah, your notes. Yeah. I left it in the hotel. I go, oh shit, Rory! I left my note. I mean, I knew the set. I'd, I'd done the set a million times, but you still, you want that paper? Yeah. I go, no, 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 stop! And he stopped the car, and I ran back to the hotel for a block, full speed, ran, ran back, and somehow that 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 physical release somehow calmed me down, and I was able to get through it. But I, I was literally close to having a breakdown before getting there. But that was I kind of got into this zone just from that run back and forth, and I was able to do it. 
And again, it's still when you're there, it goes like that. And you don't remember doing it. Um, and it went well. It wasn't, it wasn't like one of these, uh, uh, you can't stop talking about the sets and he calls you over, but it went really, really well. And Johnny gave me the, um, gave me this, you know, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. And then afterwards he, I'm in my dressing room and I get a knock on the dressing room door. I'm like, how did it go? How did it sound? And Ed comes in first. Oh, was pretty good stuff, son. You know, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, thank you. Thank you. That felt good. And then, and then it was Johnny. And he said, uh, he shook my hand. He goes, you got to be happy with that. I go, oh, thanks. You got to be real happy with that. I go, oh, thank you so much. And he left. And that was it. That was my whole interaction. Wow. And, yeah, it was, it was just. But what's so crazy. interesting about Johnny is that, Everyone, even you doing the A-OK, to a comedian, everyone knows that means like, oh, that's the thumbs up from the emperor yes. that you just got. That anything he said or did was, there was like a, this sub language of like, this means this, and this means this. And if he said, and if he looks you in one eye, that yeah, means yeah. this. And yeah. so, and, and he's just probably living his fucking life, but everyone's created this whole mythos around how he, what, what he really means you by know, everything. Drew, Drew Carey did it the week before me. And that was supposed to be my spot. And uh, a couple weeks before, they said, can you do the week after we're, we're doing Drew? And I go, yeah, yeah. And Drew got called over. Oh, he cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember calling Drew after and go, you son of a bitch, that was my spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drew, Drew's one of the guys that's like, yeah, yeah, I did the Tonight Show on Friday, and by Monday, I had a career. Yeah. By the way, I... Do, do you, I happened to be in L.A. when yeah. I was doing Carson. And so we went out the night before, and we, we know each other from playing on the softball team. And we, we went out. We, we watched Carson say Ray's name. Well, let's say first, you're leaving out one fact. We went to, and it doesn't matter, we went to a strip club. We went to the, <laughs> we went to the body shop or whatever. And I remember... Ro we were with uh, Mike Rowe, me, you, Mike Rowe, couple and of the guys, couple of the guys. Not yeah. not Mike, not Mike Rowe, the Dirty Jobs guy. There's another writer Mike comedian Rowe, named Mike Rowe. Futurama. Yeah, it was a stand-up. Oh, stand well, Mike Rowe's got a twins now. You're 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 outing him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like no one's ever been. Okay, uh, whatever. We'll but do anyway, damage control later. But anyway, um, <laughs> and you know, we're just trying to pass the tire, get my mind off it, and there's naked women in front of me, but. We, I said, let's get back just to get to the hotel to hear Johnny say, tomorrow night, we got to... Uh. Oh, that's so awesome. we left. we left some pretty good-looking naked women. Well, yeah. and I remember, so I, I go back to his room. By the way, there's, there's, there's Will Torbett, our editor, right there. He just he back. Well, he loved, you know, I, I got to be honest. This podcast, for the big publicity campaign for the movie, he, the, like my editor, who's... 24-year-old mm -hmm. graduate in my film, he's like, you got to do The Nerdist, you know? And of course, yeah. for, for that, they're like, The Nerd, well, you know, there's a weird, sure. like, so we, and this is like a great show for us to do, I think, to to be able to have this type of conversation where Ray opens up, because <laughs> the other stuff... <laughs> <laughs> Like like everything I've said here, I've said a hundred yeah. times. No. Not yet. Yeah. Not, no, there's actually one story he said I've never heard. You know, Ray and I lived together for a year. Um... The story about oh, the bet. I'll bet you betting your friend. I'll be uh, we'll be on the Tonight Show in ten years. I never told you that. You never or, or yeah. I or I tuned out because yeah. it was so boring. Yeah. But the uh, yeah. uh, but so he yeah just so without that kind of push, I don't know that this would have been on the radar of the publicist. Sure, you know to do it. So they're starting to realize like hey you know podcasts are a pretty fun you know good way to but 
the, the truth is, I think you guys have these dedicated fans who really listen. And when we like we did the the morning zoo type of tour, and it's just five. It's terrible. You oh, I can I, just, I can see I, I cause just because I know the stare because I've done it before, but right. not, not as much as you, Ray. But just watching the hotel room in the documentary when you're doing the call-ins to the radios, yeah. it's just like yes. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, you got me there. Well, you know, in, just the, in, in, yeah, in the movie, he's in his underwear, and it's like six a.m. You have to get up and and do this thing, and they're not really like it's the opposite of this. Hey, oh, hey, Ray, you ever yeah, see yeah. Uh, Doris uh, Roberts' boobs? You ever take those out anytime? Of the- yeah. <laughs> oh please, please just kill me. So I please literally kill me. It, well, for this, I had to. I said to Ray, I said, Ray, let's do this. Like it's a fun thing where you can just talk, and there's no, and they really are students of comedy and stuff. And yeah. Really a good thing. So that you know, and it, it's, and I said, is there? A, you like said, a please no. Or anything and no, no nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing like at that. All. We, yeah. I got Look you around. a warm greeting. That was <laughs> pretty good. For, for, for me, I thought it was a pretty oh, warm yeah. greeting. Better yeah. than grapes. Yeah. You did yeah. come better out than cantaloupe. Yeah. I want to. I, I wanted you. I wanted you to. I. I. I kind of wanted you to explain a little bit more because I think I know what you're talking about. And you reference it twice in the documentary in, in 95 miles ago. But you say like, oh, I had one of those mind bets. Yeah. With myself, where if I finish this puzzle by a certain amount of time, then I wouldn't play golf. So, what is it? Could you exp- as as we speak? Uh, this is on my life. I, I don't want to say bad things, but this is a. I'm swearing to you on my life. As we speak, what time is it? One oh six. I have thirty minutes until my recent mind bet expires. What is it? My kiss, penalty. Kiss my host. penalty expires. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. Right now, I, I went golfing two days ago, yeah. and I said if I break a 90, 90 I, I always write on the card what the, what the goal, target is, and it was 92, and I, I was horrible. And the penalty is 48 hours from the minute I hit my last putt of no TV, no, no golf, no betting on the uh, – I was betting on the um, – Ponies, uh, dogs. No, no, the, uh, <laughs> the playoffs, the playoffs. I can't bet on the playoffs. I uh, can't watch TV in bed, and I can't watch TV in my uh, office. Um, and I was 135 when I walked off the golf course. So soon, I'm going right from here to the golf course. So it's going to time perfect. <laughs> I seriously am. Um, a bookie jumps into Ray's car as he drives <laughs> to the golf course. Ray, I couldn't help but notice it's okay for you to bet, bet again. Yeah, yeah, what do you yeah. like in Game 7? Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I make these mind bets because it it, uh, it keeps me out of trouble. It keeps me... Uh, you know, I back in the day, I bet too much, uh, real, real money. Oh, okay. Yeah, and but that was back before I had money, thank God. Uh, and I found this kind of way to fill the hole, as we say. I'm calling back that one. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Fill the hole. Call uh, fill that spot in the But booth. it gets crazy because, as you see in the movie, I, I got to watch TV in this guy's room because I lost the the privilege of watching TV in my room. Um, it... it and, it's weird because knowing ga- knowing gamblers, that that feeling that you get. Yeah. In other words, from the outside, if you I don't gamble, I don't. It just doesn't interest me. It's just like you know, he gets such a charge from gambling, and it's obviously not about the money in any way. For sure, a gambler. I get the same thing for the mind bets. The mo- when I do the well, mind bets on the golf course, uh, I'm, it's like I got a million dollars on them. But it's interesting that you figured out a way to kind of harness that to and- save my wife's money. <laughs> That's <all it> is. <laughs> Norm McDonald talks about that a lot, like uh, like doing weird little bets to get away from betting it, it, big money. It's like an OCD, like controlling your universe type of overall global. I'll tell thing. you the story. I 
I've limited it to, it to 48 hours, the penalty, the loss, because I used to, it used to be no parameters on it. And I used to say, you know, if I don't break 100, I can't uh, watch TV until July, you know, whatever. And I would fucking ruin my summer. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you stick to the bet. You have to. Oh, there's no going back. That's what people say. Why don't you just go back on it? I go, no, no, that's not because I, you know, I hold my hand. I swear to God and everything. I go, no, there's no going back. That's too, I'm too karma, you know, conscious. Um, and I found I, I wasn't able to watch TV in bed was the, was the loss. And by that I meant when I go to sleep. So leaning back on my pillows. So I found a loophole <laughs> that if I lean up in bed, I'm, I'm technically I'm not breaking my, my, my bet, my promise. But by the way, it sounds like, hey, that's great. You know how annoying it is? It's midnight and you're laying in bed. You got to sit up and watch it. You just want to lay back and kick back and help fall asleep. I have to sit up and watch the freaking whole show. And then one night I'm like, oh, Christ, this is, this is torture. And my wife got in bed and she says, I want to watch The Sopranos. And I go, oh, well, I started thinking, well, this is her doing it. <laughs> yeah. So technically, I'm just a passenger here. You're so your I was able to lay back and watch The Sopranos. I go, oh, this is great. So I'm, I'm laying back, watch The Sopranos. And then 10 minutes later, I turn over and she was asleep. And I had to sit up for the rest <laughs> of the show. Yeah. yeah. I think you, I think it, you, you, you should. Hire an attorney to just find <laughs> loopholes. <laughs> Ray, I've uh, I've been tracking your brain. Yeah. I think I found a couple of loopholes right, for right. you. Here's what I think we need to do. That's then, funny. That's and funny. since then, you know, I, I amend it uh, each time. But since then, I've I've gotten rid of that. I go like I'll, the next bit I'll make: no sleeping in bed and no loophole of leaning up. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you talk about this on stage at all? Do you talk about the mind bets on stage? I never did on stage, and we never did it in Raymond. We we thought about doing it in Raymond, but there was. It was a little bit it was too, too esoteric and too twisty. You know. But we did it in Men of a Certain Age. In Men of a Certain Age, my character had a gambling problem and started doing the mind bets. We had one whole episode where he, he screwed his friends up. Because I've screwed my friends up. I've screwed their vacations up. Um, you know, uh, there'd be times we'd be going to with the writers of Raymond to wherever vacation, and I'd, and I'd, I'd blow a mind bet before I left, and I couldn't golf for like three days, and I'd tell the guys... Guys, don't bring your clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they go, you son of a bitch. Ray, By the way, another mind bet. You, you see in the movie, he's in my bedroom on my bed. Like, that's not joyful. Well, what's what's funny is to think about is, like, you're at the height, you know, like, it's it's really, you're in the sweet spot of the sitcom. It's season five. You know, you're hu huge, huge comedy star. Uh, and you're in these crappy hotel rooms in Central Florida, sitting in a bathing suit on the floor of this <laughs> shitty hotel, just like I just gotta find something on television. Yeah. Are there any cookies over there? I yeah, just want a cookie. I want some like cookies. it was just such a, it was just such keeping a that, keeping it real. Keep yeah. It real. Did you? But did, were you surprised though? Because a lot of people get mad. Like, well, what did you really do? Did you go to clubs and you were this or this? Like that is the life. Like, oh yeah, no. I mean, I just because I know what it is, and and there's no listen. As as much as you're like, I'm gonna lead a swanky lifestyle when I make it when you're performing in Central Florida you get you know you get the Hampton Inn or which is fine like it's totally yeah, great, great it's totally yeah. fine but it's not you know it's 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 yeah. definitely and I know it's very cliche to say like yeah it's not really an entertain it's not really uh, an extravagant lifestyle it's it's really it's not it's it's not it, well it's not like a rock like oh, there's groupies and then you're in the limo and there's champagne yeah. and all yeah. stuff like you just go back to your hotel with cre creepy green mm -hmm. carpet, and you know, and you know, you just try to find some cookies and just like make yourself happy we, a little we bit. Had a, we had a pretty decent hotel room, but just it still was. 
horrible they were, that I they had to didn't sit in, believe, uh, in your room and watch TV. Well, yeah. that's the annoying thing. Yeah. Is like I'm on my bed and I'm enjoying my life, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, what's going on? You know, and it's like I know what that means. That means. He's lost TV privileges, and well, dude, were you surprised when he really does ship his golf clubs back? Like that's taking it to the nth degree. Yeah, because he, he says he I can't golf for the rest of the week. Well, I carry the clubs around. Yeah, yeah well, we could have. Yeah, because people are like he didn't yeah. really ship them. I'm like there is nothing in that. Now, what, what about the water bottle scene where he? I don't know if you know. There, there's oh yeah, 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 a, yeah. But I totally know. He, he there's a water bottle on the table, and he goes to pick it up, and it's already open, and it's that thing of like. The waitress oh, brought it open. Right, open. yeah. And yeah. so when you find an open bottle, which is so funny because really, technically, you could just stick your face under a sink and drink out of it, but we've become so protected and like, oh, but that might have things yeah. in it and someone else could have put... Well, the paranoia is someone's put angel dust or some crazy poisoning. <laughs> well, it's just like, not... It's, no, it's, 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 not it's not that. It's For just, anybody, though. You if, you have, if you're predisposed to the, that kind of like, you know, slight OCD, which I think a lot of comedians have, it's that you find yourself in a situation where you don't have control over something. You don't have control over where that bottle was. You don't know right. where it was. And it's unnerving on a molecular level because you're just like... It's not even the reality of what if someone put that in. It's just that's I don't know in where that, that moment. Well, you see how pissed he is at me. Like, did you was yours open? I think I don't know. How do you not know? Like, how do you not like he's mad that I'm not <laughs> microanalyzing that? And then when I leave, by the way, you, you know, have you have you you've edited stuff, right? Sure. That, everything is made in the edit room for a documentary. And that edited together so well. And people are like, oh, you plan. You know, like there's everything that happened in that movie is 100 percent real. But it's made in editing. You're tweaking those moments. But that was real. The water bottle comes. He gets pissed. I leave. The waitress comes. He sells me out to the waiter. Did you, totally. you notice that? He's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, my friend here's a little paranoid, so whatever. And so uh, it, it's funny because he comes. He he does. He he admits it right away as soon as I come back. You know, he's like, uh, so they open the water bottles for you, and the waitress thinks Why you're they crazy. Do that? Why do they open a the bottle for you? Yeah, they're just trying to help you out. I know, but like, you can't. Twi- it is a. It's one of those things that really doesn't need to be done. Is anybody like, hey, why are you drinking? I, you know, I couldn't open it. I didn't have. The I time. don't know. This just has a barrier at the top, yeah. and when I go tip it I, back, yeah. nothing comes My mouth out. Is still dry, and the water's lasting. Plus, this that is... first click is very satisfying. Oh, I'm curious. Get you're getting a, that's a different. By the way, did, there's another scene where Ray we're keep out of this. Room. Keep out of this. <laughs> 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 there's another there's another scene where Ray we're sitting there and I go Ray don't you want to take like a million dollars you know we're sitting there which is one camera by the way and we're swinging back and forth like we're eating the peanuts in the room yeah. and you see Ray kind of go click it's a little callback just to see like <laughs> okay good okay. yeah all right now we're do you happy. feel like do you feel like uh as because it's interesting because i mean i i think there's a certain part of comedic neurosis in your act but i think people would view you as a relatively you know, you seem kind. Your your demeanor is kind of laid back, right. but do you feel that um, you know a lot of the stuff like you said? Oh, we didn't want to get too esoteric or too. Do you do you have any desire to really talk about like how deep it goes? Uh, at some point, you know, maybe at some in my career. Yeah, maybe you know uh, the next. You're talking about on camera. You're talking. About I mean, not like as in, in stand-up, like exploring those, exploring like really getting. Or do you think? Do you think that people that come to see you are like, how come he doesn't just do jokes about the? You know. Yeah. Well, yes. I, my audience, I can I can push it. I can push it as much as I can. And then there's a certain couple of things that my audience isn't expecting from me. And even if it's funny and it, and it's funny with you guys and funny here, I can't do it on stage. And 
I can probably do more now, you know, as we get farther away from the show and I get older and all that. But uh, it's like, you know, Brad Garrett, I used to work with, we used to uh, do Vegas together. And they just know him as Robert from the show. Yeah. And let me tell you. He couldn't be further from that in real life. Do you have you seen him do stand-up? It's a phenomenal stand-up. Yeah, he's he's like Don Rickles. He's boom. He's whatever. Yeah. He's politically he pushes the envelope and everything. And people are taken aback by him because they don't know. They, they they're not ready for that. They see Robert. So um, it's not a it's not a burden for me. But um, there are there have been a couple times where I've said, boy, I wish I could do that on stage. That would be funny to do on stage, you know. And maybe you know. I think when you get further away from what they they know you by, you maybe you can. Um, I don't I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, look, I'm running out of material, so I may have to go to the dirty stuff. There are rooms that yeah. you could do actually. If oh, you yeah, if, if you want if you want yeah, to do alternative yeah. rooms, you yeah. could you could do all that stuff. And just to just to just to satisfy that just That's to satisfy exactly that urge. That's exactly what I did. I was in when I was in Montreal at the comedy festival. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, seven years, eight years Did ago. Did you do Kindler's show? Yeah, Kindler had a thing, and I just went to watch, and I said, please don't make me go on. Please don't make me go on. And they're in between one of the acts. He said, you don't do five minutes. I go, holy shit. <laughs> so I had to take out my thing and, and think of all the bits that I never could do on stage that I would try to do, and I did them up there, and, and of course they killed. Yeah, but what's it when you're like, oh, maybe I. Uh, yeah, but then uh, they kill in that environment. Yeah. P.S. There's no yeah. money in alternative comedy, but but then yeah. you know, like maybe it's, it's fun. It's fun. Maybe yeah. it's just it's maybe yeah. it's just fun. Do you, and yeah. then sort of they kind of wrap it all up. Do you feel like do you feel like that getting you know huge amounts of success does that reinforce the neurotic parts or do you feel like you you know even if you had just been working a regular uh, job, do you think you would have just been? Well, I had a joke for this that I said on Letterman once was. You know, before before all this happened, I I thought my cab driver hated me, and now I think my limo driver hates me. <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's kind of relative. It's kind of all relative. But having said that, I don't know because yeah, I went through some some neurotic uh, semi heavy shit when I was before before stand up and all that. You know, so I don't know if the I, you... I think the the good thing, the healthy part about this is. It's a, it's a great outlet. It's 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 a passion for me. It's being creative. Uh, you know, when the show when Raymond ended, I thought oh, this is going to be great because I've been doing stand up for eleven years before the show started, and now nine more years of Raymond. Twenty years I've been I've been working every night almost because when before Raymond I I used to do stand up every in Manhattan I used to do it every almost every night. Now I got a little bit of this. I got some financially I'm set. I can just kick back and let's, let's see what happens. And let me tell you, after three months, I was in therapy two times a week. Not kidding you. It's just, um, I can't stay idle too much because I catch up with myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I like to work and I need to work to feel, to feel right. You know, off of that question about Ray, we were uh, years ago because that their thought is okay. You've made it now. Now is it potential? Because you don't have the normal money struggles anymore. Where you're like, okay, I have to do this. It's not like oh, everything is possible, which means it could be a potential devil's workshop. Sure, you know where you go crazy. But when Ray and I really first bonded for our friendship, was like 
uh, I was traveling through upstate New York with a ventriloquist, and <laughs> I don't like to name drop. I but should have right away, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I hope you were also performing and not just. No, no, no. It was just a vacation. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, we're performing bad gigs, and we're doing a road tour, Utica, New York, and then to Berlin, to Vermont, all this stuff. And I call up Ray because we're going to stop at the Montreal Comedy Festival, and I call up Ray in Queens just because we're friends, and I knew he had been there. So I'm like, Ray, where do you stay? Where do you stay when you're in Montreal? He's like, whatever it was, La Montrose or something. He's like, I don't I'm. Know. He's like, you know, I'll be there at I'll be there at six, you know. And I'm like, what do you mean you'll be there at six? He's like, oh, I'm going to I'm flying there tonight. And so I said, oh, okay. So we meet there. We go to like Jimbo's uh, room. I don't know if you go know Jimbo's room <laughs> in uh, um, Comedy Works. Uh, Comedy Works in Montreal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we meet there. It's me, Ray, John Peasy, this ventriloquist, and we hang out all night long. And then we leave the next day. We go to Burlington, Vermont, the, co- the whatever the club is. Who cares? And. My phone rings in a hotel room, and it's Ray calling me because we had talked backstage about some neurotic stuff. And Ray was going through this, this kind of tough thing, you know, psycho- psychologically. And he, it's tough because you got to open up to somebody. And we had gone through this kind of same type of thing. And so we started talking a lot about that. And I'm thinking, okay, here's a guy. He just had twins. You're on a stand-up salary, which, you know, there's unknown, like, oh, please sure. let me have some gigs, yeah. you know, that are, that are decent. And uh, it, it, it was a tough, trying time. I thought, okay, that has nothing to do with being famous. I'd, like, that has no bearing on... So I think the potential for any anxiety or any breakdown or anything like that is always there with any of us, you know? And I think it's with the end of Raymond, that story you told, you're getting done with such a creative... Output, right. you know, it's like when you do a show and you're, sure. it's done. It's like you're like, all right, I have free time or whatever. I think unless you're occupied and have something to focus on, it's just such a trap, especially when you're. That's why I, work, a I think that, I think that's kind of why I work seven days a week. Well, I don't it, like. I, don't, I hate free time. I took a two week vacation and I I went a little crazy halfway through. Right. I'm like I I don't feel connected. I'm not doing anything. What am yeah. I supposed to do with my hands? Like yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. Why, why am I here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's all what? shit. It's all shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the creative <clears throat> juices it keeps you focused. You know, yeah. it's like just it's it's. You know, it's a good thing that you found something or you know. And it's torture, by the way. Write like I want to write a screenplay. It's freaking torture writing, man. I hate it. <laughs> but it's, it's well, that that kind of thing too is a very specific kind of writing. It's not like yeah. oh, I'll just sit down, I'll write some jokes. Uh, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I can get out whenever I want. It, it, it right, joke writing for stand-up feels very much like performing stand-up versus other types of things which ha- have a very specific yes, structure yes. like you can take hard left and right turns with stand-up when you have you when ray and i ray and i wrote the season finale of the first year of raymond and we're used to just writing jokes just what you said it's fun and like oh what about this all right i'll do that bit and you're done and now you do it that so night that was whatever. the first script we wrote was the season finale of season one of raymond we wrote it together it was, yeah. it was the first time i told phil and i told the writers i'm going to take this one with tom and we, we looked at that blank page. We, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Remember, there was one time Brad Garrett was in the kitchen, the character, and we had to get him out of the kitchen. <laughs> and it took like eight hours to figure out how to get him out of the kitchen. <laughs> well, we went. It's called Why Are We Here? And we went into the, the name of the show. The night, yeah. yeah, Why Are We Here was that episode, the finale. And you kind of, uh, from the outside, it's just like you're hosting a show. People, I can host a show. It's, it's, there's all this stuff that when you endow with your imagination, like many people, I could write a Raymond script. It's, you know, Ray comes in, he fights with his wife, and that's it. It's like until you're sitting down there, yes. and, fo- and it's such hard work to write. I mean, it's literally, but by it the way, just is. But even, but let's, 
let's give it its uh, fair shake. It's also great when you write and you and you get something and you accomplish something. Yeah, that's a great feeling too. So I mean, I, I say it's torture, but. Uh, it's a torture that you you love to go well, through. Well, you get you know? a spark yeah. of an idea to write the script, and that's like, oh, this is funny now for, like, I've enjoyed that funny all the details. And it's all, yeah. it's all the details. And then during the process of a multicam sitcom, like, even rehearsal, you're like, oh, day three, this is the least funny shit ever written. Absolutely the worst script ever written. Then the live audience comes in two days later, and then it comes alive again, right. and you're like, so it's all these emotions Well, I think that's down. I think that's where the stand-up, uh, I think that's sort of where the stand-up gene kicks in, is at a certain point... You know, because you're being forced into this, it, you have you have this like, well, you got to do a show either way, so you can fucking figure it out, or you know, or you just have to figure it out. Right. You know that you, or at least you hope that you develop this faith in yourself. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say when the time comes, but I've done this enough. Something is going to kick into gear, and my brain's going to figure it out when the time comes. But that's the argument for that's a great point. That's like the argument for using stand. I'm not trying to sell anyone on stand-ups because obviously it worked out in Ray's case, but. When you see a stand-up being put into a situation, you know the guy's going to fall back in his instincts and at least have survival instincts of right. we'll make it funny. Right. You know, so in those situations, like when you have Ray, who when we were doing the show, you could walk up to Ray with a joke and while we're filming, and he would he would be like, okay, instantly, and then say it now, you know, three minutes later in front of the live audience and kill with the joke. Like that skill, that inherent timing is is priceless. I, I honestly don't know why more stand-ups don't get shows or you just go, Well, okay. they do. They got, they got... But there's mm. only a handful that have become... Well, because there's also there's other ingredients, though. You know, you, you, they have to have a certain persona also. They have to... We have to have act. Yeah. You have to be able to yeah. act. <laughs> there's there's well, a lot, yeah. Well, we yeah. know it's all the magic yeah. lightning in a bottle. Like, this has to be The president right. of the network has to believe in you. Then yeah. they have to have a good showrunner. All this shit has to happen. Well, it was an absolute honor to have you on. Uh, was, thank you so much for coming on, Tom and Ray. And 95 Miles to Go is, 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 is the movie, which, uh, which you can get on iTunes. And, and uh, can you, you can, get on you iTunes? Can't, not yet. It, okay. the, DVD, the DVD just came out. So the DVD just came out. So a, It's got two and a half hours of special features so on So where it. should people go to get the DVD? I don't know. Okay. No, I, I, Go Amazon, to the Amazon Target, any place. Okay, cool. Yeah, any Thanks. place physical. Thanks, guys. Thanks, it, was, fun. it was It was awesome. a pleasure. I got 10 minutes and my mind bet's over. I got yes! to get to the Yes, quick. Get him out of here. <laughs> Before the next mind bet. Yeah, all right. Thank you, it. man. <laughs> Fix it and post. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by GoToMyPC. Go to GoToMyPC.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code NERDIST. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.